What does it mean to be an effective HR leader today? What do you need to get right if you truly want to influence the business and to have a seat at the table? Ros Trigertha, Group Director Employee Experience at Domain, believes it's about being a business leader first and a HR leader second, while still getting the basics right. We sat down with Ros at the HR Leaders Forum 2020 to talk about why commercial acumen matters, building influence as a HR professional, plus Domain's people-driven values. Let's start talk about um, effective HR leadership, if you like. What does that look like to you? What does it mean to you? And also, what does that look like at Domain in your organisation? So I think at a high level for me, what effective HR leadership is about is really making sure that you're a business leader first and an HR leader second mm-hmm. around the executive table. You certainly bring the people function to the conversation. You have to bring talent into the conversation. You have to bring culture into the conversation. But if you're not understanding the business strategy and working into the business language that people are talking about in your organisation, then I think your credibility is not actually there as a, as a business leader. Yeah. So in terms of from the domain perspective and the way we look at it from my perspective I guess is ultimately really trying to understand the product and the services that we are delivering to our customers outside of um, the internal customers that we service as an HR function and so what does the app look like what are we talking about in the data perspective Mm. so domain for owners is really say for example a product where we're trying to get homeowners to uh, log in and be members of our organization and so it's really getting that deep business knowledge to help you drive the right capabilities and talent that the organisation needs to deliver against the business strategy. Is that a change for HR professionals to get that close to, I guess, the commercial interface of the business and how you actually are servicing customers? Yeah, I think it is. Over time, it's been a case where people have been in a much more transactional or personnel orientated Mm. role in our profession. And really these days, if you're not um, in that commercial acumen space, then that um, We Are Unity did a study actually with Macquarie Business School just recently and talked about progressive people and culture. And progressive people and culture is really about being at the forefront of the commercial conversations, having that commercial acumen, having an HR person on your board, um, and really about driving those things that you need to make the business successful, rather than just processing leave. Yeah. We often hear about HR struggling to get a seat at the table, and particularly if we're talking about areas of business transformation and planning, is having that commercial knowledge, being closer to the customer, is that crucial to HR, do you think, getting a seat at the table when decisions are being made, as opposed to, I guess, having to you know, hear about them downstream? Yeah, for sure. I think if you do have that commercial acumen and you can sit there and, and have those business conversations, you are at the table. I think the other thing about being a seat at the table is also having the support of your boss or your CEO yeah, in, that, okay. in that perspective. So if you have, and I'm very fortunate, um, mm. mine totally gets the people um, side of, of life, but being able to influence um, that individual to have the seat at the table is also just as important because yeah. if they don't open the door and allow you to have those conversations, and it, it is quite difficult for, for HR leaders. So sometimes... I'm, not, I'm fortunate I'm not in this position, but sometimes HLEs actually need to do mm. a whole lot of work behind the scenes to influence the senior executives to get yeah. at the table in the first place before they can even bring their commercial acumen, which they may well have. I wanted to touch on that. I'm wondering your point of view, for a lot of people who will be listening to this, perhaps that's a, an aspiration they have, um, is to get closer to their CEO, is to actually have that influence. How do they sit about doing that if they don't currently have that level of influence? I think you have to meet people at their point of need. Okay. 
So if your business leaders are not seeing you in the light that you would like to be seen, then it is really about finding the point of need that they have and trying to connect with them and deliver to them what they need. So whether that is, and it might be in some instances quite a transactional um, activity, yep. uh, such as getting people's pay right, for example. But if that's what they need right now, then you need to deliver on that. And then you build on that. Yeah. So it's about that credibility build. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to do X and deliver X yeah. and deliver X really well. Yeah. And then they go, oh, okay, you did that really well. Now let's do Y. Um, so it's really about finding out and listening to the staff as well in terms of what the organisation needs and trying to say, well, I've, I've had some conversations with people in the lunchroom and they're talking about this so I think this is the problem this is an issue for our business and then what's the solution to that problem mm. that you can bring as a people leader so you demonstrate your value yep. um, and then from there you build on that credibility but sitting underneath that is all those traditional HR tasks you need to do well and do really well yeah that's right I think there's a whole heap of hygiene as we call them yeah. factors yeah. Um, and if you don't do those well, um, so I, I often say to you know to people, if you if you don't pay people, that's yeah. what people talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so from that perspective, you have to do all of those sort of the, the basic HR 101 stuff mm. really well. And if you don't do that well, then you're going to struggle to to have different conversations. Stay across the latest ideas and conversations about recruitment, HR, and the world of work. Subscribe or follow Seek Talent Talks today. your title I mentioned at the top, uh, employee experience. Yes. What does employee experience uh, mean to you? And also a a domain. It's a very deliberate move, I would take it, to actually have that as your title and have that as a focus. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't actually pick the title, so I inherited the title, um, so I can't take credit for it. And the team and I actually talked about this uh, a week or two ago in terms of how did the title come to be. And the title came to be through a previous um, person in this role and what they were really trying to do was change the conversation in the organisation around that more traditional HR mm. and recognise that people, employees, have different experiences across their life cycle in yep. an organisation. And so really trying to represent that through the title, but also trying to drive a positive employee experience in the moments that matter that everyone does. So whether that's someone who's going on parental leave, or whether or not that's someone who um, might want to take three months off because their partner's got a a job in Hong Kong and they want to go away for three months leave without pay, Mm. or whether or not it's someone whose um, child um, has been incredibly unwell and Mm. they need, that's an important moment for them. So the experience that you give them on that one-on-one basis is really quite important. And so we're starting an exercise internally, and I wouldn't say we've nailed it, where we're going to be working with our leaders to try and improve the way that they have those conversations okay. because the employee experience is not just my team. Yeah. My team can coach and guide managers to a yeah. point, but managers, um, the IT help desk, the finance systems that people use, all of those things impact on employee experience. So what does it mean for me in domain? For me in domain, I guess, employee experience is really about all the things that impact an employee's experience at work mm. and how we improve that. Will we get it right 100% of the time? No. If we don't get it right, we call it out and say, we didn't get that right, how do mm. we improve next time? So yep. it's, we've recently, over the last year, brought in some new, a new purpose and some new values, yeah. and I know you want to ask yep. me about those, but one of those values is leap, grow, repeat. What does that mean? So that basically means be prepared to take the leap, grow from it, 
you either repeat it because you did it really well or you don't repeat it <laughs> um, so you because it didn't go so well so it's being that um, being okay to make mistakes being okay to fail being okay to learn from something that you did yep and you might have done it really well so you build on it or you go oh that didn't work so well so then you either pivot and change or you you um, you do something else Seeing we're onto that, let's talk because that's a huge piece of work that you undertook to renew your company values and, and refresh that purpose, if you like. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, leap, grow, and repeat, but open minds, open doors, and have adventures. Talk us through them and what they mean to you. Okay, so we, in terms of just from a process perspective, this was when I started in the organisation um, about just over 18 months ago. A few people said to me, "Oh, the last values were made by the executive sitting in a room with the HR person. They don't mean anything to us." Yeah. So we deliberately and consciously got the whole organisation involved through surveys, and then 10% of the organisation in a room to do a um, discovery exercise. So it was from yep. the staff. So the other, the other three, open minds, open doors. That is really about how you drive inclusion and diversity mm -hmm. in the organisation being open to other people's ideas and being open and willing to um, think differently about how you work and not shutting out any person or idea. Yep. So that's Open Minds, Open Doors. Yep. Uh, have Adventures is really about trying to say to the staff that you are in control of your own life um, and that you can have the adventure that you choose at work and it's up to you to go out and have those adventures and it's not always the organisation who's going to deliver on a silver platter the adventures sure. for you. Yeah. And then the fourth one is Passion is Contagious. And Passion is Contagious is really about allowing people to bring what they are passionate about into the workforce and to share that around. So really trying to tap into those individual motivators for, for, um, for people, what, yeah. whatever that might be, and driving them to deliver on their passion, which ultimately delivers for the organisation. Yeah. And how long have you had those in place now? Uh, so they were launched last year, 12 months. Okay. And what have you found so far? What's What are your people telling you and how are they acting and behaving in line with those? So I think from an embedding perspective, we started an exercise where we have um, started to look at them last year in terms of the how how you do something, not just what you do. Yep. So so measuring people against those, which was really important. We have a series of awards called the Homies. Okay. Um, Love it, yeah. No, yeah. And they are about rewarding people who demonstrate um, those behaviours and those, um, so people who have been inclusive, people have who have brought their passion to work, people who are um, yeah. taking leaps and, and learning from them. So those are really important to us in terms of driving um, the values into the organisation. And probably to date, I think the feedback has been that people genuinely get them yeah. and they like them. And the reason for that is they help create them. Yeah, great, yeah. And in terms of assessing performance and capability, what role do they play within that, in that framework as well? And how is that going? So we have them, like I said, as part of the how. So, yep. um, in t so there's the what you do and then it's the how you do it. So as a uh, leader, are you inclusive in the way you operate? Are you okay with people making mistakes? Yeah. And how are you managing those people when they uh, make a mistake and then and then learn from that? So it's not about punishing them per se. It's about saying, well, what happened? What did you learn from that? Yeah. Would you do it again? It might be yes, or it might be it might be no. So we're probably three months into that exercise. So we haven't probably got quite got to okay. where we, yeah. we want, but we've got we, we've started that process, and so far. People are, I think, a little bit challenged about that because it's always much easier to measure 
what someone delivers yeah. as opposed to the behaviour side of it. So we're, we're, we've got some work to do there. You mentioned um, diversity and inclusion, and, and I'm really interested to get your viewpoint on, on a couple of things. Where um, obviously you've done a lot of work at Domain um, on that, and where you you know where you're at in your journey with that, but also more broadly for us as a HR industry within Australia, um, you know where are we at with diversity and inclusion, and, and where are we making inroads, and perhaps where are we slowing off a little bit? So I think from a perspective of DNI, there's obviously a lot of focus on women because yep. the ASX requires you to report on women. Yep. But really interestingly, in, within Domain, we're having conversations about it's not just women. And women are important, absolutely, yep. um, but it's more than women. So last year, um, actually, we did a census in the business, and we'll do the same again this year in the first week of May, and we mirrored the ABS census. And we did that as an exercise to see more broadly what does our diversity look like right. in the business. So we have um, over 50 countries represented in our staff base. So we actually have diversity in, in that way. Last week we um, supported a grassroots team within the business to launch Pride at Domain. So really recognising a, a different type of individual in the organisation. Yep. And that came from the, from the grassroots because not everything has to come yeah. um, from the top down. Last year we also partnered with an um, organisation called Making Work Absolutely Human. Well, maybe it was the year before, and we did a piece of diversity and inclusion training. And really, what we tried to do with that was to change the conversation and try and bring it into our DNA. We need to keep working on it, but one of the key things we did with that was bring in virtual reality. So okay. we had two um, virtual reality case studies where we um, got to walk in the shoes of someone who was stood over by their account manager, right, and and also someone who was excluded from a, uh, a, an experience, a golf game. Wow. And really what that was about was showing people that it's not always you know, the extreme sexual harassment, it's not always those really extreme cases, just something really as simple as being left out of a golf game can feel and what that feels like. So trying to build empathy by walking in the shoes of people. And what was really interesting is they, after they did the virtual reality exercise, then in the training room with the facilitators, they um, debriefed on those mm. um, experiences. And there was a, a really tall guy who was about, I don't know, who's over six foot. Yeah. And he said, that was the first time I've had anyone stand over me. I, I've, yeah. never, I've never felt that, that before. And he was sitting next to a girl um, who's probably 5'3". Yeah. And she said, welcome to my world. It happens 10, 12 times a day. So just helping people shift that mindset to go, oh, that's what that feels like. That was really uncomfortable. I didn't like that. It was really about trying to change the conversation around that um, inclusive piece in the organisation. Yeah. And it, it was quite impactful. And great use of technology too with the virtual reality. Yeah, That's absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, the teams really um, responded well to that. We're obviously a tech business. Um, yep. And so to bring tech into the HR training space, they were like, oh, right, wow, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the second part of the question, diversity and inclusion more broadly in Australia, what, what, what are you observing at the moment? I would say that from a more broadly in Australia perspective is that we are certainly some way down the path, but we're not completely there. Yep. And we still have a little way to go. And I think it's really about what are the other minority groups that are represented within the workplace. Um, so last year, as part of a domain exercise um, through Supporting White Line, I went to the juvenile justice Yassa at Haberfield and stayed overnight. I actually experienced what it was like to go into a juvenile justice 
yeah. jail yeah. and be processed and be treated like and it was about raising money and, and again building empathy walking through someone's shoes yeah. and whilst we were there we had um, some people talk to us about different experiences within the juvenile justice system one of them was um, an organization that help, tries to help kids get jobs mm -hmm. after they leave yep. it's really hard for those kids to get jobs because they've got a record and they may not have a home address yeah. because they are moving around and have and are living in different places so how do you open up your workplace to those individuals when on your job applications you you acquire a home address and they may not have one um, you do background checks and if they have a criminal record they're ruled out so starting to think about things in a much deeper level around mm. inclusion and how you include all parts of society yeah. I think Australia has some way to go there We've discussed a lot of things in the brief time that we've had together, but I'll ask you again, for a lot of people listening, obviously they're in a HR function, looking to have a real seat at the table, a lot of influence over a business. When it comes to decision making, what's the one piece of advice you give to people listening today, perhaps if they're at the start of that journey, they really need to focus on? The really important thing I'd say to them is, do what you say you're going to do, deliver against yeah. what you say you're going to deliver against, and then that will give you that, that credibility, and don't do the manager's jobs for them, coach the managers through what they need to do and then be standing behind them with a broom if you need it to help them clean up and support them through that clean up and again they learn from they learn from what happened and then you, you go on that, that exercise with them rather than necessarily doing their job for them. So, understanding business strategy and meeting people at their point of need can be key to building influence as a HR professional. But don't forget the essentials. That's what we heard from Ros Tregertha from Domain at the HR Leaders Forum 2020 in Sydney. For more conversations on all things people, culture and the world of work, check out our other Talent Talks episodes and subscribe or follow to stay up to date with the latest.